Um, today's reading is taken from the Paul's Epistle to the Romans, chapter 6 and verses 1 to 10. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin, because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him, for we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. Amen. Thank you, Mark. Fantastic. So we're talking about baptism. So let's ask ourselves, what is baptism? Uh, for those of you who haven't uh, ever uh, been to a baptism service, um, this is a Baptist pool. We call it a baptistry. Well, there's no surprises here. It's all very predictable. Baptist pool, baptistry, uh, full of water. But here we are. So the congregation of Bridge North Baptist Church has been practicing this form of what we call believer's baptism since the days of Oliver Cromwell. So this congregation has, in an uninterrupted form, been practicing believer's baptism since at least 1650. And here we are following on. Our practice is this, that when someone decides for themselves, decides for themselves to become a Christian by putting their faith in the Lord Jesus, by repenting of their sins and acknowledging Him as Lord of all for them in their lives personally. And that's what we say. So, the Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10, if we confess with our mouths that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised Him from the dead, we'll be saved. Because the belief in our heart comes from the faith that is God's gift. And we confess out to acknowledge that we've given ourselves to Jesus. And you'll hear the people who are being baptized today doing just that thing. So, baptism's three things. Sorry, I've got a sore finger. Three things. I'm kind of been at war with my hands for the last 12 months. and um, So, three things. So, first of all, baptism is a symbol of being born into a new spiritual life from spiritual death, like we heard. It's a personal confession. So, it's personal confession that we need to repent of our sins and receive forgiveness. And it's also, as you are witnesses, it is a public witness that we are now associated with Jesus, who's our Lord and Savior. So, symbolically, we go into the water. There you go. That's it. Um, I'm not quite sure which of our people this is. Um, <laughs> but symbolically, we go, it's probably John. Have you been working out, John? Have you time? So, symbolically, we go into the water where we make a declaration. Watch out for this. So, in the water, make a declaration. Then the old self is taken under the water, symbolizing the grave, and comes up again into new life in Jesus. The person 
is being baptized according to Scripture that confesses Jesus Christ as Lord. Remember, you believe in your heart, but you confess with your mouth, and it's this open public confession. And for some people, that makes them very nervous. It's not an easy thing to do, and we need to respect that. So, you are witnesses to the testimony of salvation. You are witnesses to the people who are being baptized today that they are being obedient to Scripture. You are witnesses to the reality that they have publicly committed themselves to Jesus. And even if you don't agree with any of those beliefs, please respect that these people have the courage of their convictions. This is a symbol. Baptism doesn't make you a Christian. That's not what it does. By faith in Jesus to forgive your sins, you become a Christian. By acknowledging how Lord, you're sealed by the Holy Spirit, and then we're transformed. We become a new creation, a brand new creation by the grace of God, which is exciting, fantastic. So I'm going to ask the people who are going to be baptized to come up and join me now. Let's give them a round of applause. Excellent. Wow. Look at this. Fantastic. You're all in the wrong order. Can I just tell you that now? So you need to be there, and you need to swap places. That's it. Now you're in the right order. There we go. It's important if you do things. You should do them in an orderly manner, shouldn't you, really? Um, I've left a I did put up the sponsorship form there, but you don't have to sign up for any sponsorship, um, although there is, a, there is a pen if you want to do that later. Fantastic. Excellent. So here we are. Look at this. My goodness. Now, one of the things that happens with baptism is the opportunity to give some testimony. Testimony meaning that the person explains how come they're actually here being baptized. And we're going to start, and she's a bit nervous, but she's good. It's Olivia. Come on, Olivia, stand up. There you go. Are you ready? See? Friendly audience. Friendly audience. Do you want me to hold this while you read? There you go. Well done. Good. I have recently grown in my faith with God. Although it has been hard, I've made the, de I've made the decision I want to say, he is my God, and put him on the throne. When I was younger, I knew who God was, but I didn't have a personal relationship with him. I didn't, tell I didn't tell any of my friends at school because I didn't want to stand out as different from the rest. However, that changed as I got older and got more involved. Rosemary and Graham played a big part as I always made sure I was involved, yet challenged in youth. Last year, my faith dipped a bit and I started not coming to church enough and losing the interest. None of my friends knew still, and I didn't know many people who were Christians, so I kept it to myself. This year was my first time at New Year's house party, and my relationship with God bloomed. I was introduced to many young Christians my age, and I felt at one with God. It was one of the most amazing weeks I've ever experienced, and I knew something had to change. I made friendships with Christians my age, and they all helped me to keep it up and read my Bible. When I got back to school, my faith was settled again by friends, not wanting to tell them, but I prayed. I brought it into conversations a few times with friends and told them. My faith was growing, and I just wanted to do more and more to to progress in my journey with Jesus. I gave my life to Jesus at Soul Survivor Celebration this year, and that was another amazing step I've done in my faith. It has made a lot of difference in my life because when I get faced with a difficult situation, my faith is tested. I am stronger in knowing God with me. I was, challenged that, I was challenged last month with the idea of baptism, and I believe it's the right thing to do, and I know my faith will carry on getting stronger as I start this journey. Well done. Well done. Thank you. Excellent. Um, so some of you might think that Olivia speaks quickly because she's nervous, but she speaks like that all the time. It's really genuinely, it's genuinely true. Well done. Fantastic. And what, what an example. What an example. It's very difficult to be a Christian at school. Those of us who were Christians as teenagers know that it's tough, tough, tough to stand up for Jesus at school. It's not an easy environment. Uh, thank you to all the people. Rosemary and Graham were mentioned, but thank you to them and all the other people that support uh, children, young people who are Christians at school. It's a difficult place to be. 
Uh, bless you. Well done, Olivia. You can relax now. The, the next bit involves getting wet, but you're cool with that. Esther, here she comes. Let's hear it for Esther. Are you good? Uh, nervous. Here you go. I am being baptized. I believe this is the next step in my faith, so God can strengthen me on my journey. I'm excited about carrying on my life with Jesus after my baptism, learning more about God, the Holy Spirit, and my path through life. In my first year of secondary school, I said I believed in God to everybody I knew, and I was verbally bullied throughout my lower school years because of this. I said this. After a while, I decided that being a Christian obviously wasn't worth it if God wasn't going to protect me. And I started to say I wasn't a Christian anymore, denying what I really thought so I could fit in with my peers so they would stop bullying me. At my third year, at my third year of Nia House Party, I thought about starting my life as a Christian, but I wasn't ready to commit, so, as I had so much stuff to do, which I, wasn't thought, which I thought wasn't part of Christian values. So my, so my relationship with God crumbled up a few months after Nia House Party. Within those few months, I lost one of my biggest Christian influences when my nana died suddenly. I chose to blame God, and I hit bottom in every way. I stopped grieving for my nana and started to blame God for her death. And it was only when I gave my life to Jesus that God started to reassure me that I was going to be okay. In August last year, I failed all of my exams and was left not knowing what to do. So I turned to God and prayed. God showed me what I should do and created a path for me, which, which has made me a stronger person. Closer to the end of last year, my faith was stronger and I was ready to go back to the new house party. This year I gave my life to God and accepted Jesus into my heart. I did this because I could really feel God's presence in the talks and from the people. The talks really helped me think about putting God first. I remembered a quote from the talk which changed my view of being a Christian. The speaker said about how we should be putting a, putting a Jesus crease in our lives because once it's there it can't be undone and he will always be there. This made me feel hungry and renewed in my faith with God which made me really want to try my relationship with him. Since near house party and giving my life to Jesus, I have remained close to God and I have felt his presence even in the hard times. And I have really been taking steps to learn more about God. I owe a lot to the people around me and, from, and the people from near house party. A lot of me still being a Christian today has to do with Rosemary and Graham Patey who have supported me in so many ways throughout the years, whether it's been from a minibus to near house party or just a friendly face in any situation. I give my life to God, but being baptised is me just publicly showing my faith and showing I'm ready to step out of my faith with Jesus so I can tell other people, um, so I can help other people become followers of Christ and so I can grow my faith and become a better person. I really want to step out in my own faith and claim my relationship as God as my own and show people how much God means to me so I can help them on their journey with God. Wow, thank you. Excellent. Oh. It's a wonderful thing, but it's important. It's important to us, and it always has been, that people who are baptized have personally chosen to follow Jesus. Now, this is not coercion. This is not something that you have no say in, but the opposite. We believe in believers' baptisms. The Bible says, believe and be baptized. So, people, when they are ready, whatever age that may be, when they are ready, and choose to give their life to Jesus, then we baptize. And that's important, a part of the testimony. Ken, come and join us. No, don't worry, don't worry. Yeah, you can do. You can sit down if you're that nervous. Yes, mate, no worry. Um, fancy seeing you here. <laughs> um, so, um, Ken, you've become a Christian. Yes. When did that happen, mate? Um, coincidentally, Christmas Eve. Christmas, Christmas Eve. I remember that. Excellent, excellent. So, why? Um, I did the lowest point in my life. Um, 20 years, I've always been searching for something, earning loads of money. Did that make me happy? No. People always say, try this, and it's like, try drugs, try drink, try your mum, try your dad, whatever, try women, never worked. And then my mum and dad said, try God. So, gave it a go and why? So, so that was Christmas Eve. 
Here we are, April. How's it been over the last few months? Um, once honeymoon period wore off. Um, very, di <laughs> very, very difficult. Um, a lot of people obviously know me from around the town, know what my past was, etc. Um, but you, I've got an inner strength now that I never had before. So. So Jesus makes a big difference in your life, one you didn't expect? Uh, 100%. <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you, Ken. We'll let you off the hook now. Brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant. Wow. How exciting is this? So, and, and, and last but by no means least, and, and in good physical shape, as we saw from, from, from the slide, it's John. Is this something you've prepared earlier? Well done. Yeah, you okay? Good man, good man. So I've been a Christian most of my life, but it was more a label I put on myself rather than a lifestyle I tried to live out. I've always known the reality of Christ as I've experienced divine intervention and healing on myself and others close to me. After all, my birth was an amazing miracle and I wouldn't have been born if it wasn't for an answer to prayer. And that's another testimony in itself. However, studying the main sciences and my favorite subject, geology, for four years at school rose up questions about my faith. This led me to look into the relationship between science and the Christian faith, where I found listening to an astrophysicist and pastor called Hugh Ross particularly helpful. The more I researched, the stronger the scientific evidence for the Christian God was. This didn't surprise me. After all, just because something can be explained by science does not mean it, the spiritual realm cannot influence it. Because science is just studying the mechanics of the universe and not what's behind those mechanics. This led me to go deeper into my faith, and I repented and gave my life to Jesus, with not just my words this time, but with my heart also. After this, I suddenly felt no desire to sin, where I had before, but I have had trials since. And I felt an urge to read and listen to the Bible, where from never properly reading or listening to the Bible before, I had listened to all four Gospels within the space of a week and a half. The Holy Spirit began to teach me and help me change my heart. In Romans 6, it says, consider yourself to be dead to sin, but alive in Christ Jesus. And then in 1 John 2, it says, whoever says he abides in him ought to walk the same way in which he walked. Now we're all at different stages in our faith, but we should all strive in time to walk as Christ did and out of love share the gospel and back it up with signs and wonders. In Mark 16, Jesus says, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. This reminded me that being a Christian is not just about going to church every Sunday or praying a prayer to get to heaven. Heaven is the destination, but not the mission. The motivation for being a born-again Christian is not heaven, but is leaving behind the old and putting on the new and being transformed through the Holy Spirit to as we were created before Eve ate the apple, before the fall of man. Because God sees your creative value and purpose behind the sin we were born into. That's why every single human is worth the blood of Jesus. Luke 9 really spoke to me where it says, where Jesus says, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. It doesn't say you must pray a prayer to get to heaven and follow Christ on Sundays while wondering where God is in your life when things aren't going how you'd like them to. Because if we truly deny ourselves and truly strive to follow him, it's not about us, it's about him in us. And if God is for us, it doesn't matter who's against us. Jesus died our death so that we can live his life. And that's why I'm getting baptized today. Fantastic. Wow. Wow. How exciting is that? How exciting is that to hear people who have heard the gospel and responded, not because they're coerced, not because they haven't got doubts, not because they think there are no other options, but because 
they see the reality, and that's exciting, and that's what we're doing today. So fantastic. Um, the moment of truth has arrived, and uh, I'm going to get Big Dave to take his socks off, um, and, and Naomi to get ready, wherever she is. Oh, there she is. Hey. Okay, have you taken your watch off? Yeah, me too. Look. Good, good, good. Right. So let's get in the pool. Are you in? Don't fall over. Yeah, I know. I tell you. Yes, yes. What's it? Is that Archimedes' principle? Is it when two fat blokes get in, the pool overflows? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's, yeah, 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 yeah. Thought, I thought that one, yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is scary. Good. Excellent, excellent. So, Olivia, come on. You opted to be first. In we come. Come and have a bit of room. So, Olivia, do you believe in the one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? I do. Do you confess Jesus Christ as Lord, whom God raised from the dead? I do. Do you confess, have you confessed and repented of your sin and accepted Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior? I have. Will you commit to live as a disciple of Jesus Christ? I will. Then, on your confession of Jesus as Lord and at your request, I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Okay, so um, Naomi is going to come and give us a hand with this one. Are you all right? Well done. Good. Let's welcome Naomi. Hey, welcome. And Naomi is going to come and help baptize her sister. You're on, Esther. Excellent. Should we move forward just a little bit? That's it. Excellent. Good, good, good. Can you hold this for us? We've done one and they've survived, so you're safe. Okay. I, though the truth is we haven't done you yet. So. so, Esther, do you believe in the one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? I do. 
Do you confess Jesus Christ as Lord, whom God raised from the dead? I do. Have you confessed and repented of your sin and accepted Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior? I have. And will you commit to live as a disciple of Jesus Christ? I will. Then, on your confession of Jesus Christ as Lord and at your request, I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Fantastic. Excellent. You all right, Dave? In we go. Good, good, good. Right then, to the boys. Um, come on down, Ken. Oh, don't be such a baby. It's not cold. It's not cold, I tell you, it's, um, it's lovely and warm. You get used to it, it's like the sea. You get used to it, mate. You get used to it till you get back out again. Okay, so fantastic, thank you. So, Ken, do you believe in the one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? I do. Do you confess Jesus Christ as Lord, whom God raised from the dead? I do. Have you confessed and repented of your sin and accepted Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior? Oh, yes. <laughs> Did you ever think you'd hear that? Yeah. Will you commit to live as a disciple of Jesus Christ? I will. Then, on your confession of Jesus as Lord and at your request... I baptize you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.
just praise you, Lord, that you do answer prayer, and you're a great God. Amen. Just fill him now and keep him, Lord. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on down, John. Fantastic. Let's welcome John. Yeah. Bless you, mate. So excited to hear your testimony a few weeks ago. It's just been brilliant. So bless you. Here you are. Excellent. So, John, do you believe in the one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? I do. Do you confess Jesus Christ as Lord, whom God raised from the dead? I do. Have you confessed and repented of your sin and accepted Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior? I have. And will you commit to live as a disciple of Jesus Christ? I will. Then, on your confession of Jesus as Lord, and at your request, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Okay, so um, if you've given your life to Jesus and uh, you're ready to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, I have brought a change of clothes <laughs> and a spare towel. I will baptize you now if you want. If you don't, but you would like, so if you're tempted, and there's one or two here who were tempted last time I said this, wasn't there, Ken? <laughs> anyway, um, come and see me afterwards. Come and see me next week. It's only water. We've got plenty of it. But if you want to be baptized now, I'll do that. No, Linda, you can't be baptized again. You've been baptized once. It was once only. Yeah. Excellent. Fantastic. So we're going to have a time of worship. Um, and the first song, we're going to have our collection. Um, uh, if you are a visitor, please don't feel obliged to give to our offering in any way, uh, but it will all go to God's work. Uh, and also, at this time, um, a creche facility will be available after the boys have finished changing, he hastens to add. Um, and then uh, if the children want to go with Ro, uh, there will be a creche available. Thank you.
Let's stand.
Fantastic. Please be seated. Thank you. Thank you to the band. Now, we've talked about the symbolism of baptism. We we listed a passage in Romans about it being uh, a symbol of death to life. We talked about Jesus dying. We talked about us dying to the old life, is what it said in Romans. The old life dies. Sometimes the Bible puts it this way. Put to death the actions of your body. Put to death the actions of your body. So, 
that's the disciple way of life. And that's, that's not symbolic. So that's not symbolism. So we symbolize in baptism an actual change in life. So one is an image, but the other is not. The other one is there to be lived out. Now, this is a lifestyle relationship with Jesus. Being a Christian is not a religion. We are not religious. Religious form will not save you. Only Jesus can transform your life. Now, it may be after you're a Christian, some religious forms may give you help and encouragement. They may enable you to focus, but they are not what save us. We are saved because we have a relationship with Jesus Christ. The rest is either helpful or not helpful once we have that relationship. Sometimes it can give people a prompt beforehand. My point is this. We're not saved by religion. We're not even particularly religious. Nice flowers, Florence, by the way. Nice flowers. Very pretty. Not sure they're real. Are they real? Nice plastic flowers, Florence. Anyway. So we acknowledge, don't we, that Jesus is Lord and is risen from the dead. And that's important. That's exciting. Because if Jesus is now alive, then that means that He's available for relationship. This is not a historic looking back. This is a now relationship. And that's an exciting and life-changing option. If we acknowledge that our nature and our actions are in rebellion to God and confess our sin, then Jesus comes and forgives us and we receive new life. The Bible often talks about shifts, and this one is from death to life. We go from dead to alive. That's exciting. It's not symbolic. Baptism is symbolic. Death to life is not symbolic. It's actual. It's an actual shift. This is my old way. This is my new way. This is my old way of making sense of things. This is my new. These are the things that I could not resist. We're going to come to that. Now I can. These are the things that I could not partake in. Now I can. How did that happen? Not from me, but a real change. So, how does that happen? Two ways that this actually happens. The first one is this. God counts Jesus' death as the penalty for our wrongdoing. God counts Jesus' death as the penalty for our wrongdoing. That's not an easy thing for a lot of people to accept. A lot of people say, well, thank you, I will take responsibility for what I do myself. I understand that, but I would say this, that in the end, it's a hopeless cause because the penalty will cost you your life. All of us die, but what happens after that? But because Jesus has died, we don't have to. We can carry on in our life with God. The Bible says that God has put eternity in the hearts of men, meaning people. The Bible often says men and means people because God made man both male and female. It says God has put eternity in the heart of men, but they can't tell the beginning from the end. My solid belief is this, that we all have an awareness both of God and that there is more beyond the grave. But making sense of it is not that easy. And the easiest way often is just to deny it, or laugh at it, or sneer at it, or ignore it. But the reality is that somewhere in there, there is. I tell you, one of the most common things that happens to me when I'm talking to people who want to come to Jesus is they say, I have always known somewhere that this was true. I have always known that this was true. I just haven't liked it, haven't wanted it, been angry, been busy, had things I want to do, lots of good reasons, but always in there. But there we go. The second thing that happens, apart from that Jesus' death is counted for our wrongdoing, 
is that the Holy Spirit gives us the power to change our lives. We can move to the old life. But this is the interesting thing. We have to choose that. We have to choose that. We don't miraculously become somebody different. It is a discipleship road. The root word for disciple is discipline. And it's a choice. And what we're seeing here is some very nervous and frankly quite frightened people forcing themselves, disciplining themselves to do what their conscience tells them is the right next step. It's a choice. It's a discipline. Not everybody follows that. We can't do that ourselves. So the Bible talks about the old self dies and the new one comes in, but there's still the obligation on the Christian to give the new life an opportunity to grow. If we just go back to the old way, then nobody, including us, can see any shift at all, and that's interesting. So once we complete this, then we move on. We can't go back to the old way. That would be like asking Jesus to be sacrificed all over again, which we can't do. But to be liberated, we live like we're liberated. And that's a challenge for Christians. So the challenge for Christians is, if Jesus has set you free, live free. And we know a lot about slavery. Let's be honest, we know a lot about what slavery looks like. Insecurity, pride, fear, greed, lust. You have to achieve because you always had that sense that your parents were a bit disappointed in you. Or that a sibling kind of got preference. Now, that's like slavery because decades after those people are gone, people are still behaving as though that's going on. They're not free. It's still slavery. We crave recognition. We crave the belonging we never really got. Again, decades after people have left the playground, they're still telling the same smutty 13-year-old little boy jokes to one another as though they're desperate trying to fill in. They're still playing the he said, she said, they said, oh, he said, well, I just wouldn't believe it, games, as though, as though adolescence had extended beyond the playground. Why? Because never the recognition, never the acknowledgement in that maelstrom, and the game goes on, slavery, enslaved to it. We know what slavery looks like. We have to keep accumulating. Enough is never enough. There has to be more and more. Or we're going to miss out. Or we're going to lose out. Somebody else has got. We have to be in control. We have to be in charge. No matter what it is, we have to be in charge. We have to lead. There are people who never apologize. Ever. Ever apologize. There are people who never say thank you. Ever ever say thank you. Might be a sign of weakness. How is that? Sometimes it's always somebody else's fault, never our fault. Sometimes it's always our fault, never anybody else's fault. Sometimes we can't stop ourselves just putting other people down. We can't cope with hearing that anybody else has done well without, you know, one of them in there. Sometimes whatever anybody does is always better than us. We can't get over that. We can't ever get to a sense of our own value. People always have to be the best. People always have to be the worst. People always have to be the most serious. People can't be serious at all, have to make a joke of everything. That's all of us, by the way. Slavery is not an unfamiliar thing to any of us. But the Bible promises that in Jesus, we can be free. We don't have to be slaves to this. The Holy Spirit gives us the capacity to defeat the death that lives in us. To beat the death that lives in us. And that's exciting. And if we want that, then we need to choose the road that leads to life. 
that Jesus is Lord. God raised him from the dead. The price for my wrongdoing is paid, and the Holy Spirit is there to give me new life. I do not need to be a slave any longer. I can choose not to be. You've heard testimony that doesn't, isn't a choice without struggle, but the capacity is then there because Jesus has paid the price. We give ourselves to the discipline. We read our Bibles. We pray. We start to try and be humble because here's the thing. Everybody is the same. The Christian isn't any better than anybody else. The Christian is the person who knows that they are just as bad as everybody else and wants to do something about it. We know what's wrong with us. We need to be humble and not pretend that there isn't anything the matter because there is, and our lifelong struggle is then to become the character of Jesus, to become like Jesus. But what a fantastic road because it means freedom from all the things that enslave us. What enslaves you is not what enslaves me. I have my road. I have my things that I'm still looking to God to help me overcome as we go. But I have hope that it can be done. I don't have to go round and round in a circle. God can do that. How exciting is that? That's fantastic. So these people today and Christians all over the world are baptized into that hope. They declare their faith. They declare the journey. That isn't symbolic. That is actual. That's a genuine lifestyle choice that involves change from the inside out, and that's exciting. They choose to be disciples of Jesus. They choose to see the old way put to death. And anyone here, anyone here, can have that. Today you can have that. Today you can have your life changed by Jesus. The death brought to life. The slavery ended. Wouldn't it be nice to have the choice? We finally have the choice, not because we can overcome ourselves, but because the Holy Spirit through Jesus' resurrection, can overcome it. You can have that today if you want that. If you have never met Jesus, see me. I will introduce you to Jesus. You've already met people today that I have introduced to Jesus, and I will introduce you to Jesus with joy and pleasure, and you can start that journey. If you already know Jesus but have not seen that freedom, come and get prayer today because you can choose freedom. The Holy Spirit has already given you that capacity, and you can change. None of this is symbolic, ladies and gentlemen. None of this is an image. None of this is a representation. This is an actual life, and an actual life change. How exciting that you can witness the evidence of new birth, new life, and that life that never ends. Hallelujah. Let's just pray. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you came and paid a price for me, not that I should then die, but that I should live. Not that I should be a slave to you, but that I should be free from myself, free from the things that break me down. Lord, I just thank you. I thank you that although I am the worst, I am the lowest, I am the poorest, still it is that in your great mercy, in your love, you died for me and gave me new life. Just let that life flow and grow, Lord. Make me humble. Let me submit to your prompting today that I might be more free, more open, more like Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to have a, a closing song, uh, and afterwards, there tea and coffee. Please join us. Don't forget to say well done to all the people who've been baptized today, uh, and to give your congratulations, uh, and enjoy fellowship together. Thank you.
as you notice, we've had four baptisms this morning, and now it's our turn to, they've, they've given their witness of their belief in Jesus, and we're going to do the same. Fantastic. Hallelujah. Please don't say no to Jesus today. If you felt in any way touched or challenged, respond today. Yeah, let's just pray. Thank you, Jesus, for our time together. Thank you. Bless and fill with the Holy Spirit those wonderful and obedient disciples who have testified so powerfully today. Bless us that have heard what they have to witness. Lord, let it not go in any way without fulfilling what its purpose was. And Lord, just bring us together. Bless us as, as we gather. Bless us as we have fellowship. Bless us in each of the places we need to go, because we ask in Jesus' name. And now, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen. Amen.